Hey, church, it's a new song. I want you guys to sing it with me because it's a story that we all share. How many of us can say we're so grateful for that beautiful cross? Amen. We give him glory. We say
You know, church, the great thing about the cross is not just that it exists, not just that a miracle occurred that day and that three days later Jesus Christ rose again, but the miracle of the cross is the way it applies in our lives. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the way the cross can apply in my life, for the mercies that are made new, for the love that never ends, for the healing from the strife. Thank you, Lord, for the cross and the blood and the love that is applied in my life every day in the lives of my brothers and sisters in this place. Church, would you just lift up your thanksgiving and praise to the Lord God Almighty because he is worthy and it was his life that he gave for you. Thank you, Lord what you've done for me. Let's give him thanks with our worship this morning, church.
as we stand here whether it's here in the sanctuary or people tuning at home we thank you for your omnipresence we thank you Lord that you're omnipotent we thank you Lord for your omniscience thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that dwells within us right now in this very moment. As we stretch our arms out wide, Lord, whether literally not or figuratively, Lord, from within, we're all in tune with you right now, Heavenly Father. Because, Lord, we say thank you for the cross. We say hallelujah for the cross. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to your name. Lord, thank you for the gift of fellowship, Lord, here at my church. Thank you for this body of believers, for the ability to be together here today, Lord, to share each other's burdens, Lord, and to edify one another. This is what life is about. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit and your presence in this place. Thank you for breathing in your grace and for the ability to breathe out your praise today, Lord, in our time of worship. Lord, and now we turn our attention, Lord, to your word and what you have in store for us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And his people said amen. Let's celebrate the Lord, church. Hey, church, and while we're at it, can we greet one another and just tell each other how awesome it is to be here today. Good morning, my family. Man, what a wonderful time of worship. Isn't it just amazing to be in the presence of the Lord? Man, it's so awesome. Hey, church, I want to welcome you today into the house of the Lord. I want to welcome you as well for those of you that are tuning in from our live stream, wherever you may be, whether you're at home or 
whether you might be listening on a Monday afternoon or maybe a Wednesday afternoon, we're speaking a little bit into the future because of our podcast that's available on Spotify, Shameless Plug, Apple Music, Stitcher Radio, and many other platforms. Look us up uh, if you want to share our message of hope. Uh, the sermon today is one that will impact your life, I promise you. And so I want to give you that resource that if you want to share our sermons and our resources, you can do that by way of Spotify and our digital resources. Also, you can always, of course, catch our video sermons, our archive sermons online as well. Hey, church, uh, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Michael Romero, and I am your worship and arts pastor here at New Beginnings Church. And it is a joy to be back with you. I know I've been gone for a little while. Uh, in case you forgot what I looked like, here I am. Um, it's been an amazing time spending time with y'all's kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> youth camp was amazing. International youth convention was amazing. I'm still trying to get my voice back from all of that. It's been yelling at the kids. That's what that's about. But <laughs> just kidding, kind of. Hey, church, it's just really been an awesome time. Last week, I was able to spend an entire week in the state of Kansas leading worship uh, for another amazing congregation of the Church of God in Kansas at one of their camp meetings. And it's just the move of God and what God is doing across our land. It's not just us. We are the church. Amen. And so God is at, God is at work. But church, I want to I talk to you this morning a little bit about uh, just one specific thing that I really want to focus on. I know we have some announcements, but I really want to focus on one. Mighty men of God, where are you at? Are you in the house today? Mighty men of God, where are you at? Mighty women of God that signs our permission slips, where are you at? Ah, ¿Qué dicen las mujeres? Mighty men of God, God, that was a lot louder on that second piece, man. But look, here's what I want to talk about. The men's retreat is coming up on August the 26th. And I want to encourage you, mighty men of God. Brother Beto, why don't you come up here with me? Can we welcome my brother Beto Enriquez up here? I want him to talk a little bit about an experience uh, that we're going to be having August the 26th through the 28th down at Lone Tree Bible Ranch. And Brother Beto has been with us now for the last few years. Brother Rich, why don't you come up here as well? Brother Rich has been heading this up for the last ooh, years. And Pastor I was there Rich, the first time dirt was created. <laughs> <laughs> so Pastor Richard has been, of course, heading that up, and he continues to do that. Um, and now with the help of Brother Beto and Brother Josh and, and who are heading up our men's ministry, I wanted Brother Beto to kind of talk to us. And I, I want to invite you, mighty men of God, because it's important for us to disconnect as men. And how important it is to disconnect from, I don't want to call it the reality, right? Because it's, it's still real what we go through out there. But to be able to get away from the normal day-to-day Pressures that us men deal with that we only understand. Only men understand it. Let's be real. Only men understand what men go through. And it's really awesome when we get together. And I was just telling somebody, Pastor, about what we do. And we just mess around. And 
we share life till two, three in the morning uh, around the bonfire, and it's just we, we give each other a hard time. We we joke around. We edify one another. We have Bible studies. It, it's just really organic of how this stuff happens. So, Beto, and the thing that we do having so much fun, <laughs> yeah, um, and there's no alcohol or drugs involved. Yeah. We're just like <laughs> Jesus and crazy men. You yes, know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good point. Thank you, Pastor Richard. Roberto, I want you to explain why it's important, number one, as a young man, to, to continue to look up to people like, like Pastor who have mentored people like, like me. I have mentored people like you. You continue to be mentored by even people like Pastor myself. Pastor Chris has played a pivotal part in your life with, under his construction. But tell us why it's important for a young man to continue to go out there, why it's important for every generation to, to go out there, the kids, everybody, and the importance of, honestly, that's why I called on the mighty women of God, the importance of the women and, and, and how the role that you play in it. Yeah, so uh, I went to the men's <laughs> retreat. I was invited, I want to say, three years ago, and the first time I went, um, I obviously didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it was an awesome experience because I've never went camping, but I have slept in a tent, which was at home or on the streets in Central. Um, but uh, it was an awesome experience for me because I was surrounded by godly men, which encouraged me to push me to, you know, to reaching my goals and and not even just that, just, you know, getting away from the distractions at home. I'm not saying that. Our wives are distraction, which kind of are and the kids. But, uh, but you know, getting away from everything, you know, and um, kind of just focusing on, on God and having that one-on-one -on -one with him. And the same thing with the, with the brothers, you know. We're there to encourage and joke and, and, and just lift each other up in, in spirit. And so, um, and I didn't realize it that when I went, you know, the, you know, Pastor... Um, my, uh, Michael and Pastor Mansfield, they encouraged me, but at the same time, when I was giving my testimony or I was talking to one of the brothers, I encouraged them as well. So us young men, we could still encourage the older older guys, and the older guys could encourage us young men because they've experienced life more than us, and and they could, you know, kind of direct us in a, in a better way, you know, so that we don't fall in the same steps as they did when they made mistakes, so... Um, it's it's just an awesome experience, you know. Um, so camp, this is our first time going to camp. Um, it's going to be new to all of us, so it's just it's just going to be an awesome experience. Um, so I I highly suggest that you guys go, men, men of God, um, bring your sons with you, uh, and then as well as invite somebody, you know, someone from work, somebody in your family, just so that they get that experience too. And you never know, they might surrender and give their life to God, you yeah. know. And so I, I highly suggest that, you you know, that you invite somebody and you, you go with us. So, You know, Thank you, one, one thing I want to say, Michael, that Beto and his wife uh, have four daughters. And they just three weeks ago, they became the parents of a little boy now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but... One of the things I was thinking, what they're teaching at the men's breakfast and stuff, the co-director of the men's group is Joshua, and uh, Joshua and his wife are now having a baby. 
and yeah. they'll be having yeah. baby number yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, so, man, uh, just make sure whatever you're teaching, you don't teach to me. <laughs> 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 I have all the babies I want. Yeah, 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 I got yeah, all of you. Yeah. You know how it says in the Bible, multiply. So. <laughs> You're fruitful. Amen. Thank you, Beto. Thank right, you no for problem. sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you. I love you, my right. brother. Thank you, Pastor. Thank so, you. mighty men of God, mighty women of God, it's important that you support your husband in this. This is why I say the, the, the pivotal role that women play in this, that you support your husband in this. And when he's packing his bag, that it not be like, are you sure you want to go? How long are you going to be there? You may not have to be here all by myself or a day and a half. No, you have your mom. It's okay. I know you got your mama. You know, but support your husband in that. Support the man in your life in that. And mighty man, if you're single, it's fine. You know what? Walk alongside with us. Man, it's just a great time repelling. We're talking repelling. We're talking ziplining. Look, the pictures that you see going on behind me, that's literally the landscape of where we're going to be. We're usually up north by Cuba, New Mexico at Clear Creek Campground. But they're literally sold out for the next year and a half. There are no dates at all. So we had to change gears a little bit. There's a little bit of a fee involved. And so if you need help with some of that, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Richard. Talk to Beto. Talk to Brother Josh. We can help you with that if need be. But, guys, look, it's a beautiful landscape down south. There's still fishing involved. But now we don't have to break our backs and take all our camping gear and six stoves and six grills and this and that. It's going to be awesome, guys. The landscape is just absolute. Pastor Richard, uh, Pastor Cindy and I took it to the facility. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So it's going to be a great time. Registration is now open. And you can register via our NBC ABQ app. You can download the app on Android or Apple. You can also register online at NBCABQ.com under the events tab. Mighty men of God, I hope you move forward, and I hope that you register, and I hope you, yeah. you make that trip with us. My brother, thank you, God. I really mean this. Um, many men have come back completely changed and transformed. It's been wonderful. Uh, today, we have, uh, right before we dismiss everybody, we have the privilege of having, uh, we're, we're calling it Coffee with a Cop. And we have one of the chief cops of the Albuquerque Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Smatter. And would you welcome him here today, New Beginning? <laughs> Bless you, my brother. It's such a joy to have you here with us today. I, I have the privilege of being invited by uh, Chief Harold Medina to meet with he and the deputy chiefs. We have a, a meal together, and I share just, I try to share an encouraging word with them. And, uh, and I told him, we'd love to have you. He goes, well, we do coffee with a cop. And then you got to understand, they have such an awesome sense of humor. Uh, Harold, our, our chief, Chief Medina goes, Pastor, if you're going to have coffee and donuts, we'll be there, you know. <laughs> so, but all kidding aside, uh, in addition to them being here, we have a ministry called Stand True for Blue. And out there, you had some ladies that are allowing you to adopt a police officer or a law enforcement. It's not just police, it's first responders. And not just from APD, from Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office, from, from surrounding areas. 
where you could pray for that officer and his family uh, personally and, and directly. So I really am praying that we would adopt at least 200 officers today. So make sure you go by. Uh, and, and you know what, Deputy Chief Smathers, look, a lot of people in this room have had really amazing relationship and, and experiences with APD. And I hate to say it, unfortunately, there's some that have had really bad experience. And because of that, now they're shaded and jaded and they kind of look through a different set of lenses and they're not super thrilled with APD. Um, I think we fail to forget sometimes that the ordinary men and women that chose a profession to serve and protect. But with that, sometimes there's some that don't do as good a job as others. But would you help us to just process through some of those emotions? Well, first, thank you for having us. Uh, always appreciate it. Ambassador uh, Stan Cruzan and Blue and New Mexico Braves as well. They're just wonderful partners to us. Uh, but I'll candidly tell you, many of you know about the consent decree, which is the agreement just to remedy uh, past failures of APD. So I'll stand in front of you and tell you if, if, if we have ever failed any of you in the past, that, uh, then I would just ask sincerely for your forgiveness and apologize on behalf of APD related to that. Uh, because we, we have had times in the past where we didn't do things that uh, we needed to do. And that's really what the consent decree is for. It's just a, a framework to help us do better. Uh, I am pleased to say that we are progressing well in that endeavor uh, because all of us want uh, we want to be through that aspect of the oversight from the Department of Justice. Uh, but we really do want to provide constitutional, fair, and appropriate policing to every single person in this community, uh, and that's every one of you and all of your family members. So it's very genuine in our efforts to try to do a better job. The men and women of APD work very, very hard, uh, and they sacrifice a lot, And uh, but we can always do better. So that is our commitment to you, and I appreciate the support of this fellowship in that endeavor. I appreciate that, Chief. You know, um, I don't know if you keep up with the news. I, I try to read the paper and the news and stuff because I want to know what's happening in my state. But um, the Department of Justice, the DOJ, just removed a whole bunch of um, just regulations and, and they had their claws in APD for a while. And they just released you guys in a big sector of that report. And we want to say congratulations. For making things so much better. Thank you. Uh, again, I could talk a long time, but I won't. They took a quarter of the requirements from us and are allowing us to kind of uh, monitor ourselves is the easiest way to put it. So it was a tremendous milestone. It can be a complicated process, but uh, it just demonstrated that they are seeing some of the progress that we feel that we are making, uh, which is it's a big deal. It allows us to focus more on being a police department for all of you uh, because the consent decree is kind of like a second full-time job. Policing this community is one, and then uh, adhering to all those requirements is, is a separate part. So it was very good news for us. Uh, we, so I'm just thankful that we were able to progress. I just will restate that we are continuing our commitment to all of you to complete that process 100%. One of the things we have been doing for the past uh, couple weeks now is four officers from the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office uh, were killed in a horrible uh, 
helicopter accidents. Two of them were buried this past week and two more are gonna be buried this week. Even though they weren't from your department, how does that affect your department? Well, it is just a reminder. I mean, I'm wearing the morning badge even now uh, that we'll continue to wear until all of those gentlemen are, uh, are buried and proper respect has been paid to them. But it just, it does remind all of us of the dangers that you face because that was sort of an unseen danger. And who knew that uh, those men were going to fly that last mission? So it is a stark reminder of the dangers. I routinely get notified of people that are shooting at our officers and trying to directly harm them, uh, no matter what it is that they're doing. So those dangers are real and they are ever present in this city, as I know you all are aware. Um, so it was just a stark reminder of the frailty of life and the unknown of what uh, and tomorrow is never promised related to us. Uh, and it just was a stark reminder for those families. You know, uh Tomorrow, I don't, I don't know if you've found, uh, seen that uh, the mayor is having Coronado Park shut down because there's such, 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 so many problems and violence there. And the homeless situation is really out of control. And our church is so committed to the homeless that we started a full-time ministry to feed and clothe and, and assist the homeless with God's warehouse over 10 years now. But uh, I just want us to pray for Chief Smathers and, and all the deputy chiefs and the chief and the department because they're gonna be clearing that out in the next two days. And uh, they're praying that there is no violence, but the reality is there's been already some murders there. There's already been, uh, there's a lot of altercations there. And it's costing our city. Um, they, we, the city is spending thirty-five hundred dollars to four thousand dollars a week to clean that park of all the debris and trash and garbage that's there. So, just would you join me in praying for Chief Smathers, Deputy Chief Smathers, and the department, and all the support staff, all the secretaries, and all those the PSAs and everyone that works in the backdrop but uh, that God would really guide them, watch them, and really use them to really bring order and, and safety to our city. I mean, we just had another murder this weekend and uh, of a young 19-year-old boy that happens to be from our congregation. And uh, I'm doing a funeral today at three o'clock from a 44-year-old man from our congregation that was murdered. And those are realities. And the stuff we don't hear in the news is every week, APD officers and even DCSOs, which is Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office, they're shot at. Sometimes they're just driving by and boom, boom, boom. And sometimes it's a crazy, crazy world. And it's a crazy job. But I thank God that these men and women have said, we're going to step up and do it. So, yeah. So, uh, as we get ready to pray, how can we pray for you? and your family, but also that of your department? Two things, just for personal safety. As you see a first responder, I would always just ask that you say a, uh, a prayer for their safety. In that moment, they may not be in harm's way. In 10 minutes, they could be fighting for his or her life. So I do sincerely mean that. And then I also would ask that you would remember each of them as a person, that you would pray a hedge around their family for their protection, because no matter how successful they are as a police officer, if they fail at home, they're a failure. And the distresses and the demands are, are very real and they're very impactful on individual lives. And 
them. So I would also just ask that you would pray for their success at home uh, as a, you know, a husband, a wife, a, a mother and a father and a sibling, that they would be successful in that parts of their lives, which I think are honestly more meaningful uh, at the end of the day and, and eternity, what we do with the family members who mean more than what we do at home. So uh, I would ask that you would remember them as well and ask for that. Guys, would you stand with me and just extend your hand out to Deputy Chief Smathers? Father, thank you, Lord, for Deputy Chief Mike Smathers that gave up all this time to be with us today. Father, thank you for Albuquerque Police Department and all those that work, even in the support staff and Bernalillo County Sheriff officers. And Lord, we could just go on and on naming departments. But what we're asking, Father God, is your covering over them. As individuals, that their mind would not be affected with the things they see and can't forget at times hardships and just the tragedies that they witness and father god uh, they take that home and sometimes uh, their home life is very troubled and father the divorce rate is so high among officers i pray that you strengthen their marriage and their relationship with their children and, and in their home father i pray a hedge of protection around them physically that they wouldn't be beat they wouldn't be shot they wouldn't be stabbed they wouldn't be injured god protect them uh, from the, the drivers of our city as they go to try to protect and shield uh, people from the dangers that uh, our city faces. So Father, we thank you, Lord God, for uh, Chief Harold Medina and all his deputy chiefs and all those that we have been able to serve and all those that have served us. We pray blessing in the glorious name of Christ our Lord and God's people said amen. amen. Chief, I know you got a lot of work. He's been here already for through one sermon, so I don't want to make him have to suffer again. But uh, you're welcome to stay, but I know that uh, you have a lot of obligations. So thanks again. Appreciate you. Sure appreciate you, sir. Now at this time, all of you that are getting baptized, um, you need to go with uh, David Sanchez, our youth minister. Uh, to the class, so if you're here to go to the class, uh, go now, and uh, also take whatever gear you have, because from there you're going to change into your clothes that you're getting baptized in, so go ahead and make your way over there now, we're excited for you guys, and uh, and if you didn't bring a change of clothes and you were going to get baptized or you want to get baptized, if you've never been baptized since you become a believer in Christ, we have robes you could put on. We have towels. So please make your way over here. It's just going to be an exciting time. And then we want to release our youth. Uh, guys, follow Brother Chris Camarasa. Uh, all the youth, those sixth grade, the, the 12th grade, make your way out. Uh, they're going to have their worship service, and we thank God for that. Uh, guys, I just one last thing I want to say. Somebody asked me, Hey, are we going to have the church isotopes game? Uh, and yes, we are. Uh, they're already taking up signups and selling tickets. So you can talk to Chris, I mean, uh, Cliff Tanner, and he'll give you all the information. Guys, um, I'm going to be sharing a, t a, a sermon that is on a subject that's challenging. I've been doing the sermon series called Sharing Jesus to a Broken and Hurting World. And we live in a very broken and hurting world. But in the same breath, we have to understand 
that there has been a lot of challenges because there's a lot of abuse. We live in a world that's really abusive, uh, abusive in the streets, but unfortunately, there's abuse in the home. And there's all forms of abuse. And it's startling how many people have been abused. Uh, they say that one out of every four women and one out of every seven men has been abused. That means in here, a lot, a lot of people have experienced abuse. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 3, it says, Remember those in prison as if uh, you were there yourself. And then it goes on to say, Remember also those being mistreated, those being abused, those being battered, those being tormented, those being sexually abused, verbally abused, that are being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own body. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, we could really find enormous healing today. People would really find overwhelming love today about the peace-loving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. There's a lot of types of abuse. And my goal today is to really share healing and hope promise and freedom for what you have gone through or you might even still be going through. Many of us have been abused. And I just want to warn you, I'm going to be talking about some things. Some of you might feel like, man, this is too deep for little ones. So if you need to remove them, we have children's church and stuff. But the reality is there's a lot of people being abused. Many people look on victims of abuse and they start realizing, man, that could have happened to me or it has happened to me and it's happening to me. And that's why I, I really want to share this because if we're going to really find healing and restoration and, and bring real promise and hope to broken and hurting people, we have to deal with some real hurts. And that's something that's really happening in our society. It's happening in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County and New Mexico and the United States and around the world. And so the first thing I want us to understand is we have to be aware of the prevalence of abuse. We have to be aware of the prevalence of abuse, that it's really real, it's really there. According to the Center of Family Justice, domestic violence statistics are as follows. A person is abused in the United States every nine seconds. On average, three women are killed by a current or former intimate partner each day in the United States. One in four women have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner. One in four victims of intimate partner violence identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. 66% of women stalking victims are stalked by a current or a former intimate partner. Domestic violence costs more than $8.3 billion a year in medical care, mental and health services, and lost productivity at companies. More than 15 million children witness domestic violence each year 
here in the United States. 3,500 to 4,000 children witness fatal family violence annually in the United States. That's just domestic violence. Then you have sexual violence statistics. One in four women and one out of six men are sexually abused in their lifetime. One in eight out of 10 rape cases, the victim knew the attacker. One in four transgender individuals will experience sexual violence. One in four bisexual women will experience sexual violence. Two in five gay men will be sexually abused. Nearly six out of 10 sexual assaults occur in a victim's home or in the home of a friend, relative, or neighbor. 13.3% of college women say that they have been forced to have sex in a dating situation. Only 28% of victims report their sexual assault to the police. Only about 2% of all sexual assaults reported to police turn out to be false. That means 98% are real. Among develop, uh, developmentally disabled adults, up to 83% of females and 32% of males are victims of sexual abuse. Then there's child abuse. A report of child abuse is made every 10 seconds in the United States. One in three girls and one in seven boys will be sexually assaulted by the time they reach 18 years old. More than four children die each day because of child abuse. More than 90% of children, sexually abused victims, know the attacker. Attacker, 90% of them know him. Approximately 70% of children that die from abuse are under the age of four years old. About 30% of the abused and neglected children will later abuse their own children, continuing the cycle of abuse. This is a real issue. It's a real issue that plagues our city, that plagues some of your homes. Those of you watching online, you're having to deal with these things. Some of you have been so traumatized because it happened to you, some type of abuse that you don't even know how to process it anymore. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, you should know this, Timothy. Now, it seems like he's talking to us right now. This is the last days, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Boy, we're going through difficult times, all right. For people will love only themselves and their money. Man, they will be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control, and they will be cruel. They'll be abusive. They'll be hurtful. They'll hurt people and hate what is good. They will betray their own friends, be reckless, 
Be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Oh, God, help us. Help us. Because this is literally, Paul is writing this centuries ago, yet we're seeing it right now. We're living it. We're experiencing it. We're seeing the abuse that is taking place. There's all forms of abuse. There's visual abuse. Visual abuse is when they take pictures of something, maybe of you, and then they use it against you. And they threaten to go public with it. Or they're sending you images that you don't want and they're just abusing you with these images or they're verbally abusing you. They're saying things to you and they're saying things in a very destructive way and they're hurting you and they're really coming down on you and they're destroying your self-esteem. They're destroying everything about you. Or there's physical abuse where they're beating you, they're hurting you, they're grabbing you, leaving bruising all over you. Some have even had to be rushed to the hospital. Some have had to go to the dentist because they've knocked teeth out. It's horrible. And then you have sexual abuse and all forms of sexual abuse from little babies that have been abused, that have hit the news here in our city, all the way up to old people that have been sexually abused. Some that they don't know it's a rape and others that they know and just things that are happening. And during this pandemic, they said that abuse escalated and it's really tragic. And any visual or verbal or physical or sexual activity without your consent is abuse. And you need to understand that. And so we've got to understand and accept the fact that it's prevalent in our society, in our homes, in our state, in our country, and in this world that we live in. Second thing we need to be aware of is the damage that abuse causes. Abuse causes great great damage. It causes all kinds of problems. For many people, the church had become a safe place. The church had become a place where people could go to, people could run to. And then, unfortunately, we started hearing of all the abuse in churches, not just the Catholic church and not just the Christian Protestant church, but denominations of everything under the sun. Muslims, we've heard it, and Buddhists, we've heard it, on and on and on and on, where there's been abuse of people, sexual abuse against men or women or children. And we see the damage that it causes. And people feel small and powerless and voiceless when they're abused. Many people bury it. They just stuff it, they stuff it, they stuff it, they stuff it, they stuff it. And all of a sudden, something triggers it. It could be a few weeks down the road, or it could be years down the road. And something triggers it, and all of a sudden, a flood comes out of all this pain and emotion that you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I dealt with this. I thought I had stuffed it far enough down, but you didn't. And it's destroying you, and it's killing you, and it's taking everything away from you. In Psalm 39, verse 1 through 4, the psalmist says right there, I said to myself, I'm going to watch what I do. It's like, man, if you've been abused, you're always watching what you do. You don't want to let it out. Especially people that abuse you, you say, you better not talk about this. You better not tell anybody. So I watch what I do and not sin in what I say. Matter of fact, I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Like, I don't want to make sure I don't say anything because, man, they might really hurt me even worse. 
But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, man, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Like it tore you up so bad, now you're just explosive. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth is. God, I, I wish I didn't even wake up. I wish I was just, I, I was dead. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You see, when you've been abused and, and, and you've been tormented, you're afraid to talk about it. And you're afraid to talk about anything. Some people are just afraid to talk. He said there, even when good things are happening, he doesn't talk. Because if you're afraid of you talk, something might come out and you'll be the one to get hurt for it. You'll get beat for it. Like, didn't we tell you to shut up? Well, I just said, hello. I told you not to say anything. It's like, man, it, it becomes so horrible. And then silence makes it worse because you think about it all day long, day and night and day and night and day and night, and it just starts churning in your gut and you get filled with anxiety. And the anxiety becomes so real, you don't even know how to deal with it. So much that death and suicide start becoming something that you process a lot. Sometimes you even go as far as setting up a plan. Destructive. And the abusers causes us to hate our bodies. A lot of people hate their bodies because they realize, oh my gosh, if, if I wasn't so cute, if I wasn't such a good-built man or a good-built girl or woman, man, they wouldn't have done this to me. So it's like, oh, I hate it. And then all of a sudden, that little girl starts developing. And it's like, oh, no, please. Oh, now it's going to get worse. And they hate themselves. And some become trying to find out what, what sex is all about. And so they become very promiscuous. Or, or some never get out of it. And, and it messes up their own life and their marriages. And it just is a cycle that is so destructive, all because of any form of abuse. And you start saying things like, God, God if you really love me, you'd let me just die. I wouldn't have to wake up. For goodness sakes, God, just let me kill myself. And you see, you've got to understand that it, it takes us to finally realize that you're not the only one. You're not the only one. If people had the strength to stand up and say, I was abused, we would see a lot, a lot of people stand up in this room. But see, we're, we're so beat down by it and so hurt because abuse affects relationships. We can't seem to trust. We can't seem to set good boundaries. We, we, we don't want to do this, but we need to understand that Revealing our feelings is the beginning of healing. Revealing our feelings. It's the beginning of healing for your life because you finally talk to somebody, but only talk to somebody that you could trust. Only talk to somebody that's going to protect you and not use it against you. Only talk to someone that's going to help you and move forward and pull you out of that so you can find strength. Because abuse is a horrible thing. One day Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says to them how passionate he is and how strong he's against abuse, and especially the abusers. 
Jesus loves you. If you're a perpetrator, he loves you and wants to set you free. But if you choose not to be free, shame on you because he's going to get you, man. He's watching out for you. This is what he says in Luke chapter 17. This is Jesus talking. It says, one day Jesus said to the disciples, you know what? Guys, you got to hear me. And he's talking to them. He says, there will always be temptation to sin. People will always be tempted from the littlest sin to the most ugly sin. We will be tempted. He goes, but what sorrow. Hear this. What sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. So God is saying, shame on the abuser because you know what? You have nothing to do with it. Shame on him. And then look what he says. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around your neck. Man, that's one of those big crushing stones that they would they would crush the olives with, the grapes and on. He goes, it'd be better to have that hung around your neck and thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. Look, I don't know how hell is. To me, hell is hell. If you're in hell, you're in hell. But I don't know if there's like a hotter part of hell. All I know is they're going to be in the worst part of hell. He says, shame on you. People will be tempted. And if you fall and you sin, I will pick you up and I will set you free. But if you keep staying there, shame on you because you're going to get it. And so we have to understand that. We have to realize that. We have to believe that. And we have to understand that. And we have to find healing from that. And that brings me to the next thing that we need to be aware of is be aware of a process of healing from abuse. There is healing for, from abuse. There's healing. If you're the perpetrator, you could be set free and never abuse someone again. And if you are the abusee, the one that's being abused, God can heal your wounds so that you can start functioning healthy again and start loving and caring and start being real and free from the torment that they put you through. Jeremiah, the prophet, when he was abused, he said this in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 59. He said, you have seen the wrong they have done to me. God, you've seen what they've done to me. You've seen the wrong they've done to me, Lord. Be my judge and prove me right. Show that it wasn't my issue. Show that it wasn't my fault. Show that I'm not the one that created this, God. When David was abused. He said in Psalm 118, verse 5, he said, in my distress, in my torment, in my brokenness, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. He wants to heal you. The beginning of healing is to establish a safe place, a safety place, a safe where you could talk to a counselor, where you could talk to someone that's not going to hurt you more, not going to abuse you. They're not going to shame you. They're going to lift you up. They're going to build you up. They're going to help you be free. And then choose to feel the emotions and heal. You've got to feel the emotions. Some of you have become numb. Some of you have quit acting as if it never happened, and yet you're a mess. You need to just admit, you know what? This happened to me, and you know what? My God, I've never let it out, and I got messed. Oh, my God. And you just have to let that out. 
Because if not, it comes out in other ways. It comes out in anger. You don't even know why you're angry. You're just barking and screaming at everybody because there's so much pain in your life. You're yes, and that, and that, and that. Or you just shut up and you never talk to anybody. You never open your mouth. And people never know where you are, what you're doing, what's going on in your life. You've got to choose to, to face the emotions, feel the emotions, and then heal from those emotions. And then you need to find a trusted person to tell your story to. That's when freedom begins. That's when healing begins, when you start telling people. You don't have to tell the whole world. Some people have gone really public. You've seen like Joyce Myers admitted that she was sexually abused. You see Beth Moore. You've seen men. You've seen just people that have shared their pain, but they found freedom for so many others. Then you have to reclaim the truth about God. You see, a lot of us are angry at God. There's people that are angry at God, and they're angry at him, and they're going, oh, my God, where was he? Why didn't he let this happen? And you're angry at him, yet the truth is he was there. He tried to offer a way of escape. Some people around you didn't listen. You were a child, and there was no one there to protect you, yet God had placed them there, and they dropped the ball. And God says, I love you. I will never leave you. I've never left you. I've, been, I've never forsaken you. I've always been there to protect you and watch over you. And they've tried to torment you even more. But I want to heal you. But you have to believe the truth. And you have to reclaim the truth about who God is. And then allow God to restore you. Allow God to heal you. He loves you immensely. And he's there for you. And you need to grieve. You need to grieve and mourn what took place. You need to grieve and say, I can't believe that my dad beat me like that. My mom used to beat me like that. I can't believe my, my family member sexually abused me. I can't believe that people have verbally abused me. I can't believe that I was spiritually abused. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. But you have to understand, it is not your fault. And it was not your fault. What took place and happened to you was not your fault and is not your fault. Please receive that, accept that, believe that, and say, God, please help me. Because you had nothing to do with it. And it got worse, and sometimes it got worse because you finally stood up, and they just beat you and they hurt you. When you've been overpowered, it's hard to trust people that are in power. But you need to say, God, help and restore me. Because you've got to believe that healing could take place. And then we go to the next thing we have to be aware of is that we've got to be aware that Jesus cares about our pain from abuse. He really cares about what's gone on in your life. Look, sympathy is when you feel sorry for someone. You're sorry that they were hurt. Like, man, I, I'm really sorry that happened. Empathy is where you go, oh my gosh, I could even feel your pain. I could feel what you went through. But compassion is where you feel sorry, you feel their pain, but then you say, I'll do whatever I can to remove you of that pain and comfort your pain. And that's what Jesus said. The only thing I could do is take it to the cross. The only thing I could do is die on the cross for you. The only thing I could do is take all your pain and die for you so that you could be free. 
So he has done what he can to free us. And it's important that we receive that and we take it in and we live in that freedom because he really cares about your pain and he really cares about what happened to you. You see, Jesus is walking through life and he notices us. He doesn't ignore us. You remember when he was walking through a great multitude? It literally says a multitude. This isn't like a lot of people. This is like so many a sea of people. You can't even see how far it goes. And as he's walking through this crowd, he says, someone touched me. And the disciples are like, duh, there's all these people. He goes, no, you don't understand. I felt power leave me. I felt someone touch me. I felt someone reach into me. I felt someone saying, I need a touch from God. I felt the power leave me. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, it says, Jesus turned around. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. He said, my daughter, oh, mijita, come here, mija. He notices us. He doesn't just see a face in the crowd. He called her out and said, oh, my daughter. Oh, you poor child. You've gone through so much, and you're a grown woman, and you've been going through all this stuff. Oh, the pain you must be going through. It says, and he encouraged her. And he said, your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Jesus pays attention to your pain. He knows your pain. He sees your pain. He wants to restore your pain. Whether you're in this sanctuary or you're watching online, he knows your pain. And he shows us his love as we go through this tunnel, this, this path of reaching truth, the truth that he loves us, the truth that he wants to restore us, the truth that he's never left us, the truth that he didn't cause this, the truth that beats us down. And he wants to show us the real truth because we're confused. And then Jesus rewards our faith. He says, you're finally trusting me. Guess what? I want to heal you. Remember the woman at the well in John 4? Jesus is sitting there at the well and all of a sudden this woman comes. She comes in the middle of the day. Most of the women went early, early in the morning. So he's going, wow, I wonder why this lady's coming in the middle of the day. She must have some real brokenness in her life. She must not want to be around the crowd. She must want to try to hide something. When you have been abused, you feel shame. And it's not your shame. The shame is on the abuser. That's why he doesn't want you to tell anybody. The shame is on him because if they discovered what he or she has done to you, they would be so ashamed and embarrassed. But instead, the abused one feels the shame. It's not your shame. And Jesus says, you know, give me something to drink. And she goes like, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't even talk. He goes, man, you don't even understand it. If you drank from my cup, you'd never thirst again. Now she's all confused. And next, next thing you know, he tells her everything about her. And so she runs back to her city, the village which she's from. She goes, come and see. I think I found the Messiah. He told me everything about me, but she didn't feel shame. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when you start sharing your story, you feel shame. Don't feel shame. This isn't something I did. This is something they did. This is something he did. This is something she did. This is something that was done to me. I had nothing to do with it. I was the innocent bystander just minding my own business, trying to live my life. 
And God told her all about her. And she didn't feel shame. She felt dignity. She felt uplifted. She felt encouraged so much that she went back because that whole village knew who she was. They knew she had already had five husbands and she's shacking up with a guy now. Everyone knew that. And she's going, he told me everything, but oh my God, I'm free. And they go, but we got to see this, man. Because it's not your shame. Never any of the last thing. We've got to be aware of that. New Beginnings Church, that we are a church for support to the abused. We try to offer the best place where you could come. Look, we're the family of God. Look, no family is perfect, amen? Because we're all messed up. We all came from Adam and Eve. Think about it. The first couple, they were given perfection. And then they mess up. And God says, Adam, what's going on? Hey, dude, you know, it's kind of on you and Eve. And I mean, the woman you gave me, she, she messed me all up. She threw her on, he, Adam threw her under the bus right away. And Eve, what's the deal? Hey, man, the serpent, why'd you even make a serpent? Oh, God, you know, this is kind of your fault. Man, and then when their son, Cain, kills Abel. That's how weird and messed up, dysfunctional their family was. And you and I are from them. Adam and Eve is our father and our mother. My gosh, no wonder we're a mess. Right? Let's be honest. I mean, we ought to sing a song. I'm a mess, you're a mess, we're a mess, they're a mess. Wouldn't you want to be a mess with us? No, no, no. We want to find healing. We want to find restoration. We want to find deliverance. We don't want to be there anymore. We want to end the cycle. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, Never speak harshly to any older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Some of you don't like your father, but God is our heavenly father, and he's a perfect father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brother. Treat older women as you would your own mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the worthless deeds, the abusive deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. We're supposed to call them out. Now, don't go online, on the internet, on Facebook, or Pinterest, or Instagram, or Snapchat, or I don't even know what all's out there now. Do it the right way. In Ephesians 5.14, it says, For the light makes everything visible. This is why I said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ, will do what? Give you light. He's going to give you strength. He's going to expose it. There's sexual immorality and there's sexual criminality. You've got to understand both of them. Sexual immorality is you fornicating, you committing adultery, you surfing the web and watching pornography and all those things. That's sexual immorality. But sexual criminality where you could be arrested is rape and incest and sexual abuse and all of those kind of things. 
So you better understand the difference because God really wants to bring healing and restoration to our lives and he wants to touch our lives in a supernatural way. Look, the word pastor means shepherd. So I'm the shepherd of this flock. And my job is to protect the sheep. You are the sheep. And my job is to protect you from the wolves. And I'm telling you, New Beginnings is a safe place. And I, as your pastor, have literally taken on some wolves before where I've had to go toe-to-toe with some and call them out and say, I don't have enough evidence to prove it, but you and I both know that you are preying on people in this congregation and it's not going to happen. So either repent or get out of here. And I've had to kick some people out, not to say, oh, look at me. But you know what? Look what the word says. And if you're not going to align with it, shame on you. And one time there was a guy confronted me. Oh, man, I can't believe you're accusing me of that. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm telling you what I've seen. And I'm telling you, you're about to go down. And I don't have the evidence. Not even four days later, he was arrested at a gas station right down the street for taking pictures of a little girl's dress and a lady's dress. And he ended up going to prison for that. And I forewarned him because I'm not going to let people come in here and abuse the oldest to the youngest. We have a 12-step program, Living Free for Healing. We have a ministry called WIN, W-I-N, Women in Need to Find Healing. We have a ministry called Hope Ahead for people to find healing. If you're the perpetrator, get help. Quit abusing people. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Speak up. You know, we live in a culture now that isn't putting up with it anymore. We have the Me Too movement and all kinds. People are now exposing stuff. People are calling people out. And if you don't share it, you're going to keep living in shame and your life's going to be all jacked up. And then you're going to be headed for a really harsh, heavy judgment when you stand before God if you don't repent before then. For those of you that have been victims, I am so sorry that you've gone through that. And I really pray God heal your wounds. I pray that God restore your dignity and remove that shame you feel, even though it wasn't yours to carry. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, If we claim we have no sin and we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So listen to me. Some of you have been abused and you're so broken. Some of you are carrying someone in your heart that's been abused. The son or daughter or brother or sister or mom or dad. Someone you know that you love so much and you're carrying that burden and you're like weeping because they've been abused or they're being abused. I encourage you right now to bring that pain to the altar and say, God, you got to intervene. Intervene with those people I love. Intervene with that household. It might be your household. It might be someone very close to you. But I encourage you to come up. I encourage you to release that burden that isn't yours to carry anymore. 
says, carry one another's burden, but cast them onto the Lord. So make your way up if you want prayer. Make your way up if you want someone to pray with you. And prayer team, please make your way up. Come and minister to people. Hug them, love on them. Let them know they're going to make it. But make your way up. Say, my God, I just found out about my niece. I found out about my brother. I found out about my child. I found out. Come and just intercede for them. Ask God to minister. Ask God to heal and restore. Ask God to comfort and reach into their life. Let them reach into your life. You might just be sitting there and saying, God, I expected to come to church for a whole different reason. And man, God, you're stripping away layers of my pain. Lord, please help me. Restore me, God. Restore me. There's abuse in our home, violence in our home, anger in our home. We need healing in our home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Would you stand with us so we can sing and then we'll close in prayer. now in the name of Jesus we do want to thank you God that you've been there for us forgive us Lord that we have failed to see you or we ignored you because we were so mad and hurt God today I pray if there's any perpetrator I pray any abuser to repent and say God forgive me because I have abused my family verbally visually physically sexually, spiritually, violently. God, I pray that, Lord, you would forgive those of their sins and make them right with you. I pray that they would go get the help they need, confess their sin and own up to it. And then, God, I pray for 
those that have been abused, that healing would begin right now, that they make a decision. I choose to be healed, and I choose to find some place where I can start talking with a counselor to get the freedom I need. Lord, bless everyone and in their families that the curse will be ended and promise will be strengthened. I thank you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Now, I just want to invite you to join those getting baptized, encourage them, support them, be with them, bless them, and let them know that you're standing with them. And those of you that are going to stay for Meet the Pastor, I hope you'll do that so we could just get to know each other better. God bless you. You're dismissed to go just receive your blessing.